I can honestly say I've been training some sort of sport since, you know, I was at school and I don't think I've ever gone and participated in any kind of activity and came back feeling worse than before I went there. If I go to the gym and want to train, you know those sometimes you're like, I don't want to go, but you get in the car and you get there and even on the way there you're just like, oh, just feel down, I don't feel up. But yeah. then as soon as you walk through the front door, everyone's like bouncing and especially if it's contact sport because you've got to get up. <laughs> got to get up for that. You know a punch is coming to your head in about 15 minutes, 20 minutes from the minute <laughs> you walk in there. It's like, ding, I'm on. And, like, you just start feeling better. And, and you take a few hits and you're like, you forget about feeling unmotivated. You get hit in the head, mate. Your motivation is back real quick. <laughs> You're going to start moving. You're not going to, like, just sit there and go, oh, I might think about it for a sec. Well, my favourite quote from you was, if you're not scared, you won't achieve anything in life. Okay, guys, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce you to Mr. Grant Barker, world champion kickboxer. How are you, buddy? Good, thanks, mate. Yourself? Yeah, real good. <laughs> now, I suppose the big question, which a lot of people have heard about your career, but what I want to do is not talk about the fighting as much, but actually go back about mindset, because I know you love talking about mindset when you motivate people. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. How did it all start? <laughs> the How old were you? Where, where did you get the idea that I'm going to start kicking ass? <laughs> <laughs> Well, like years years ago, I, I met a guy and uh, yeah, offered me a job in as a doorman in um, in uh, uh, a bouncer at uh, in the King's Cross, and um, I thought, well, really? He said, yeah, you'll be right. So I, I thought to myself, I'm not I'm not tough enough to do that. <laughs> you know, then I started working on the door and I saw some you know some some crazy. Some crazy fights and things. I thought, shit, I better bring and learn how to fight a bit better because I'll get smashed, right? <laughs> so then I just sort of um, went to a, a kickboxing gym. And then um, after three months of my first fight, I loved the training. The training was what drove me the most, Mark. Like, what drove me the most in the sport or in kickboxing, it was, you know, we trained at six o'clock every night. And, uh, it, you know, I, I loved the discipline. Then when I got good at the sport, had my first fight and I I want I, I just got a buzz out of it. And I, I felt that was a that was a real achievement when inside myself and I so I set myself up a morning training regimen, afternoon regimen. I loved the discipline of what I was chasing. You know, and then I just then I just started and I, I realized when I was fighting I, I was good at it. <laughs> and, and that was sort of it, you know, and the whole part of it was, you know, and um, that discipline, that drive that I had was was fantastic. So you'd probably say you're a little bit of a late starter to the whole fight game. Like you weren't like, you know, some people start at 12 years old and 
15 years old. Like, so did you start kind of like in your 20s? Yeah, look, I actually started when I was 23. But, you know, yeah. I mucked around, around a bit of boxing when I was younger, but wasn't any good at it. And <laughs> thought I was, but wasn't. And, uh, yeah, so, so I sort of started, yeah, started at 23 and sort of went from there. And, and um, you know, I was like, you know, I, I look back on that now, I think to myself, wow, was that me? <laughs> you know, but yeah. it, was, it was a real journey. Um, you know, when I like, suddenly sort of thing, you suddenly I'm fighting people that I'm, that are ranked in the top ten in the world and things like that. I'm going, wow, is this really me? Is this really happening? Huh? So it was, a, it was a great, it was a great journey. It really was. It's amazing. So that you know that really resonates with me. Like it's kind of like it's never too late. Like if you think you are too old, go and have a go. You might surprise yourself. Look, you know what? I get this all the time off people that are trained, people that are. In fitness and sport, and everything you know, everyone quits too early. You know, it's you know, it's we're gonna keep going. As long as we keep going and dedicate ourselves to being healthy and fit, then life's endless. It, yeah, it is. It, I find it. It's just. It's all. It's all mindset. It's all in your. It's it, like put. They say it's all in your head. It yeah, really gotta, is all in your head. Gotta be, gotta be chasing something, Mark. You gotta be chasing something in your life. You know, and. Um, if you've got a, a mindset here, and you know, before I mean, you said, you know, we all don't, we're all not going to be world champions, but you've got to have a champion mindset in this life to succeed. You know, if you've got a champion mindset, whether you're a housewife, whether you're, whether you're, as a, whether you're a mechanic, whether you're a football player, whatever you are, you have to have a champion mindset. Can we keep this thing active? Keep it driving towards something. And if there's nothing, if there's nothing to reach, it's over. Yeah, I, that is so true. And you know what? Like, you probably don't know, but you and I, we both work with the, such similar demographics of people. And that's why I wanted to interview. One, because, like, I can remember you going back to working at Caring Bar Inn when, when I was a kid. And, and I used to talk to you all the time back in there because you were like a star in the shy, you know. And one one funny thing I remember I was talking to you one time and um and someone was being an idiot, but you were always really calm, like you weren't one of those real aggressive guys, and you used to take them out the front, and I was like, you take them out there, and then sometimes they'd go back in with you, and sometimes they didn't, and I and I used to watch you doing it, and I'd say. Oh, Grant, how come you always take them out the front? And you said, oh, the music's too loud. I can't even hear what they're talking about. You know, like <laughs> they thought they were going to get the shit beat out of them every time they got taken out the front, you know. But you were like, oh, it's too loud, that disco music. I can't hear them. I need to be able to speak to them properly. So yeah. even back then you were like trying to communicate to people and trying to find out what's going on. I just... Uh, been training Krav Maga with a with a Israeli like ex soldier guy up here in at Gosford for about six years and that's awesome. Every time I go there, I'm getting older. Like I'm 54 and I've got 25 year olds wanting to take me out. You know, <laughs> and like as soon as you walk in there, you might be tired or you feel a bit down, but as soon as you get in there, it's like game on because yeah. my lack of any lack of concentration is going to be like a massive shin kick or a punch to the head or a body shot. And 
you know, once you feel that, I tell you what, you're going to be on. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a pretty amazing feeling, isn't it? Like it's, it's as far as I'm knowing what you what you what you've got to do, and knowing what's coming. It's a it's a bit of a mind thing. Yeah, and I and I have a lot of because like I did taekwondo as a kid, so it's all about awesome. headshots, you know, headshots, spinning mm-hmm. kicks, and honestly, even now it's programmed into me all those Bruce Lee movies I watched as a kid. And all the style and the choreography and and when I went to Krav Maga, he just goes, all those kicks you do, he said, just get rid of them. What we do here, we use our shin and we cause damage. All those other fancy ones, if you miss your opponent on the street, you're exposed, you're going to get knocked out, you're going to get thrown on the ground and you're going to get pulverised. We only concentrate on about three or four kicks here and they're all money shots. They're all yeah. ones to cause damage and they're all lower body kicks. They're not big. We don't go for head kicks here because the risk to reward is too great. You'll look amazing if you're in a studio where you've got referees to come and stop the fight in case you fall over, but on the street we kick. we use kicks that are specific and they're completely not fancy. And I remember you saying in your in an interview I, I heard you and you said, Mick Spinks said, mate, most of these kickboxing competitions are one below the waist. Yeah, you know? the waist. And, and it's so true. I have people that still don't believe you can knock someone out with a thigh kick. And I'm like, <laughs> You Google it. I said, let me give you one because they're Taekwondo guys and they don't do it. They kick with the balls of the heel of their feet, which is still effective. But I say, you cop a a real good shin kick to your thigh. Seriously, I've walked out of the place just hobbling, just going like, that was more devastating than a a kick to the head. Oh, yeah, for sure. Low kicks or thigh kicks, as we call them, whether you're on a Boom, they are devastating. You know, oh. like you get a few blows in your leg, it's, it's stop you immediately. And it's like, I remember, I remember the, the first time I was kicking the thigh training, we brought low kicks into kickboxing. When I got kicked in the thigh, my eyeballs and me pop out of my head. <laughs> was, oh my yeah. God. Well, the first time I ever seen you, and you won't remember because you were in the zone, I walked up into Mick Spencer's gym over at Kingsford. And, yeah, and it was like it was in an afternoon. It's kind of like an afternoon. I think you were training before the guys got there with him, like on a private or something. And I seen you just banging this bag, and I was like, "Fuck!" I was only like you know middleweight-ish, and you're heavyweight. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh wow, I want to be able to do that." And like one of my most devastating moments ever, I was doing a grading with the highest guy in Australia. And um, I got injured before the grading and it was quite a high grading. And um, with the Krav Maga, there's floor work as well as stand-up work. So you've got, we basically practice stand-up attacks, ground attacks, chokes, and then we practice knife attacks, and then we practice 
multiple attacks where you've got to survive for 60 seconds against maybe three or four different attackers. So it's it's quite heavy and like I'm getting older. So anyway, I'd hurt my back about two weeks before, three weeks before. So I went to do the grading and I said to him, look, I've injured my back, but because this guy only comes down once a year, to do these high level gradings, I said, Well, I've got to just go it and see what yeah. happens, you know. So oh, anyway, we we start off, um, you got your partner on all fours, and you're gonna sit on their back and basically blunt fall onto the ground and do like these break falls. And I've got a my back's in agony, and he's got me doing that, just watching me, just like over. And I'm thinking, like, look, he'll probably see me do it two or three times and say, look, you got this. Oh, no, he just kept going and going and going, break, <laughs> break, break. And I was like, man, you're killing me. And then after that, we were doing scooping defence where someone does a side kick to your ribs and where we'd cover up, jump back and use our hands to scoop the shin away so that it doesn't hit us. And anyway, I've got this wrong and like jarred my fingers. So that's the start of my grading. So then, <laughs> yeah. So then a few blocks that I had to do where I had to use the, the muscle in my forearm to like take the blow. I couldn't twist my hand properly and I couldn't close my hand properly. So he just said, too much bone on bone, failed you. And I'm like, this is after three hours he put me through it. And, and I was like, you're kidding me. And he's like, look, they're just silly little things of technique. He said, everything else you did was right, but he just said the bone-on-bone -bone stuff, I can't pass you. And I'm like, man, I don't even know if I've got it in me to come back and go through this all over again, you know. I was devastated. I was at the lowest of my lows, like, I went out in the car, almost started crying over it because I'd trained for a year for it. And then within three hours, my dream was done. It was over. It took me a while to, I was I was thinking about quitting. I was like, a couple of mates rang me and said, look, are you all right? And I said, yeah. I said, I'm fucking done. And they're like, serious, man, you're one of my favourite people to have here around us. Can't quit. And I was just really down all weekend and then, Monday, I was back there again. <laughs> to me, it was worth every bit of pain. And I learned so much about that. You know, it's like learning the embarrassment, the grief, the blame, and then learning the way back to redemption and feeling good about yourself. Yeah, you got, you got, you got to, you got to follow your goal. You got to, you know, it gets knocked down all the time and it keep going forward. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. You know, so many people, that's why people quit. That's why people, and you think about it, you've got a number one contender and you're at the champion. Number one contender is always going to be really hungry to be a champion. If he if he gets knocked down, he's just going to keep trying. You know, it's, it's the only way to go. And you can't achieve anything in life without that. Yeah, you know, because only a few people can be a champion. Not everyone can. And I remember you said, you came in after you'd won your world title and you had a tear in your eye and you looked at your wife and you just said, is that it? You were a champion before you had the fight. You'd done the work. 
you were already mm. the champion before you proved it. You'd done the work and you'd put your mind into that right mindset and your body into that position, and that was just the benefits of the work. Yeah, it's like the end result. Like I remember I had the belt. I was like, is that what this is? <laughs> you had that flat spot where you got it and you went, I've got it, and you're kind of like, what's next? And I always say to people, that's a really good metaphor to remember to enjoy your way to that championship or to enjoy your way to the goal. Don't forget to celebrate your way to the the end goal yeah, yeah. because that's where the enjoyment and, and the growth is. Once you've got the end goal, now you're just maintaining it. Well, it's just like, you know, I never wanted to be a superstar in Sport. I just want to win a world title. Yeah. So for me, when I won it, that was that was it. You know, and I had no goals past that in kickboxing, really. Yeah. You know, but I had goals in other areas of life that I'm that I'm that I want to achieve. So you know, it depends on what you're thinking about later and that end result. You know. And yeah. I think that's another thing that that I that I do with a lot of people that come to me, Mark, that are over forty. I think we've taught. You know, we've been taught the wrong thing. We've got this tradition of men drinking beer all the time, go home and have three beers, have dinner with the kids, have dinner with the wife, and have a bottle of wine with the wife after it, and they become overweight. You know, and, and you know, I said, I said, especially people that come to me that I try and say, listen, you've got to stop drinking wine, you've got to stop drinking beer. You know, stop, dedicate yourself to something else, dedicate yourself to your health and your fitness. Don't worry about how beautiful your house is, how much money you make all the time. Doesn't matter when you die. You know, dedicate yourself on being healthy and fit so you can support your children, support the people you love, support your wife, you know, and be that be that man or that woman for that for that reason. You know, so you've got it's really important to be look after ourselves as we get old, not even just over 40 all the time. You know, it's because I find a lot of people their goals in life are wrong. You know, what we should be teaching our children, instead of teaching our children what a, B, C is my, in our primary school. Teach them how to look after themselves physically. Teach them how to, how to navigate relationships when they get older. Things like that. You know, all these people that are so dysfunctional in their life because they're overweight and people don't feel good about themselves. I had a guy, young me that was 65 years old, he had a heart attack. The knee joint replacement was severely overweight. And I said, Look, mate, the first thing you've got to do is get fit. You know, I said, now, this guy could only walk. We used to run this hill at a place called Como here at the Southern Shire. And um, he only walked. This guy just kept walking the hill and he got himself so fit and he was so happy with himself. And it took, it took a year and he was so happy with himself. It made me feel so good achieving that for him. You know, it was just awesome. You know, so I think that's the most important part of my life. And a lot of people. Tell me how rich they are, and I don't, I don't, I don't care about that. I just care about, you know, making people feel better about themselves, just like yourself, you know. And um, because the end of the day is, mate, if you're not feeling good about yourself, you're not happy. What's the use of being here? Yeah, it, it is true. And I actually gave up the booze about a year and a half ago, and uh, I won't be going back. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I won't be going back. Because, like, I do hypnosis and NLP training and help people change their mind to change yeah. their life. I don't do the fitness side of it. 
but I know the importance of fitness. And I can remember when we had the, the, the famous lockdowns and we had to, our dojo set up the Zoom meeting so we'd be training in our lounge rooms. How yeah, great to But I'd be there, right? getting absolutely hammered by my instructors. They'd be like, burpees, burn, burn. And you'd be watching everyone else going for it. And then I'd be like, right, sit-ups. And I'd be there doing sit-ups right next to the wine rack full of bottles of wine. And I'd feel like vomiting because I'd had a massive weekend on the piss thinking, this is a really good punishment and a real good reminder that that poison right next to you while you're suffering caused all the suffering that you're having. And it really drove it home to me and, and put me off. <laughs> you know, you know, it's interesting too. If you go with a, lot of, with a bunch of people, I'm just going to, you know, you go, go out somewhere and they say, oh, what do you want to drink? And, um, you know, or we'd use a lot of beer. And you say, no, you don't, you don't want beer. No, you never drink. No, I don't drink. And so, you know, look, as I said, look, I've got nothing against it, but it's just you're out of the norm by not, not doing that these days, you know. You know, it's interesting this morning. I, I went up um, to a hill that I, that I run around the southern shore, and, you know, just that I was, I, was with a, I was with a friend, and we, you know, we just kept sprinting that hill and sprinting that hill, and, you know, make, it just makes you feel good inside, you know. It's just that, it's just that pack and got someone with you. Come on, let's go and you join yeah. each other up. You know, it's a great feeling, mate. You know, there's, there's nothing better, nothing better in this world than being fit and healthy, you know. Yeah, it, it is. That camaraderie is amazing. And, like, you know, the thousands of people you've sparred with and even fought, and afterwards, you know, you got your arm around them after they've been, like, blasted and you're like, man, that was a great session. How good <laughs> do you feel, you know? It just builds a respect. Yeah, and, a, yeah. and a camaraderie that few people can really understand that haven't done contact sport or any of those intimate sports there where it's just you and them, you give it your best and you go all the way until you've got nothing left. And you, yeah. and you push each other to limits that you didn't even know you could go to. It's quite amazing. You know, I've had a rivalry with Stan Manuel when I was younger. Yeah. Now, now we're the best of friends. We've done television yeah. together. You know, we've been, I've been flying to Melbourne and talking to his church with him. And, you know, just, just amazing. And I actually only text him last week and said, hey, mate, you're doing okay. And, you know, yeah. it's a, you know, the respect that you gain from people. Just great. You know, it seems that when you start digging deep together, yeah. digging deep emotionally, you know, and it's, it's, it just sort of joins you together. It's so, so true. And, you know, like I hear a lot of trainers speak and I hear a lot of motivators speak and they it always comes down, they always say the same thing and it's like when you start to feel better physically, you'll start to feel better mentally. And it's, and it's true. As much as people might like to question it, what I say to them is, go try it before you knock it. You go, you go book yourself into a three-month non-negotiable boot camp training with you, Grant Barker, or Brielle Uriel up at Gosford, some of those contact sportsmen, and I'll tell you what, you won't look back. And 
you'll book yourself in for three months and you'll look back three years later saying, wow, I'm, I'm glad I did that and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. At the end of the day, I say to people, they'll be there training at six or seven at night and I'd say to them, so where would you normally be? And they'd say, oh, just sitting at home watching TV. That's, <laughs> that's all they're doing. They're just sitting at home watching TV doing nothing and I'm like, isn't this a better place to be? <laughs> I want you to just take a couple of deep breaths in and just take yourself back to before your first fight. How did you feel? Can you take yourself back to that, like, the nerves and, and the work you had to do and then your belief system? How did you feel about yourself before that, before that real jumping in to the deep end you know what i i had um i remember my first fight was a great against a great guy that i still know and still runs a gym over at manly um and i remember how i was actually so scared it wasn't funny i was yeah. so nervous i remember saying in the dressing shed to my coach we, we fought at north curl curl surf club we're talking about 1986 right? yeah and I was like, I was shaking. I said to my trainer, she's going to have a fought before? He goes, no, he hasn't fought before. And I was really nervous. Now, I went and won five minutes. But you know, that's what I was talking about, being scared of something. Yeah. You've got to be scared to achieve. So, you so can't how, do you, how do you deal with that? Like, So what happens up until the fight? When does the fear, did, did the fear start to come into it? Like, was it as soon as you knew you were going to fight or would it be an hour before, a day before? Or what's that process like? Look, mate, to, to, all my career, I had a self-doubt problem. I didn't believe in my own ability totally, right? So with myself, I, you know, my trainer would say, look, we've got to fight with you know, this certain person. And from that day on, I would start thinking about it and start breaking myself down mentally. and. And just, you know, it just become a habit of, of getting in there and, and doing it. I, I would remember once to walk in the ring to fight this guy that had fought me and had beat me before. And I remember we walked into the where you go out, you know, to, towards the ring. My trainer said to me, I'm really scared because this guy knocked me out before. And I thought, shit, I said, so am I. And I remember. It was, man, it, was a, it was a devastating feeling. Like, you know, I was really stressed, you know, mouth was all, all dry. And, you know, I opened the door for me to go out. And I thought I could do two things. My fear could break me down. I could, I could win or lose that fight in that 20 metres to the ring. And I just, I just thought, you know, I've got to turn this around. I've got to turn around. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. It's all through training. You're always telling yourself you're going to win, right? And there's always that little voice in the back head saying, no, you're not. And you got those two voices. One's a positive one, one's a negative one. And uh, I remember walking out to the ring and I turned the whole thing around and I hadn't heard the crowd just yelling. And I just felt like I was groaning and groaning and groaning. When I got in there, I knew I was going to beat him. The fear of things is hard. But what I learned in the later parts of my career, the fear is part of it. If it's not there, you can't perform. So it's like the fight or flight situation, right? So you can either get in there. And you'd be scared and you can just go for it or you can just count. It's up, up to yourself. But it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, because I said you've got the two voices. 
a positive voice and a negative voice. You know, if the negative voice that becomes a positive voice, it's going to be it's going to be a hard time. I told, remember this this a very interesting fight. This when I fought this guy called Sean Johnson, the world cruiserweight title. Um, he was from England, and I really really wanted to win. You know, and I think, and I remember when he hit my therapist before the fight. And I used to live at Kira then. I walked across the road after being in his office, and I walked across the road, there was a pedestrian crossing there. I said to myself, I'm going to win this fight. There was no, there was no second voice in my mind. My, my, my positive voice just said, you are. And from that second on, I knew 100% I was going to knock this guy out. Yeah. And I think that's a positive you've got to have. You've got to overcome that negative man inside your head. And that's with anything, you know. It's a, it's not just a fight. It can be a, a business transaction or whatever, whatever, whatever it is in life. That negative yeah. person comes in, and you've just got to be, and you've got to accept that as a fear part of it. Because it can be whatever you call it. It could be negativity. It could be self doubt. It could be fear. It could be anything. You know. So it all goes in the one in the one ball, and you just got to beat that. You just got to get over the top of that. And if you don't accept that, it'll break you down. Yeah, that's amazing. Thanks for being vulnerable with that because, you see, it's hard for people who have been a contact sports person to realise that other people who haven't been or who have never been at the elite level to even realise that you have fear. A lot of them just see you as this rock-solid, destroying <laughs> wrecking ball that's just going to go in there and just kick ass and they don't even realize what's going in your mind before and the lead up to the fight i can remember one time also the referee's talking to me and we're, we're doing the face off in the, in the ring i'm thinking i have to go this bloke down I've, my knees are not banging together i was that scared you know so that emotional part of it um is such an important factor. You've got to learn to control your emotions under extreme pressure. Yeah. And that's a big thing in life. You know, like it's, you think about this as an example of controlling your emotions also, Mark, you, know, you get knocked down, you know, and you get up and you've got to look across the ring, you've got this other guy across the ring coming on the belt you're heading. You've got to get it together and control what you know, you know, and you've got to control your emotions and your everything, your fear, everything. To survive, you know, it's um, it's pretty scary, you know, and that's did what you, I say to people. Did you find that you, or, or were you aware about how you do release adrenaline before the fight? Did you try to say, "Don't get excited, control everything, control everything"? Because what I found was, if I got excited and release my adrenaline too early, I get really flat. Like, yeah. say I went down to Cronulla and the surf was just massive. I would not look at the surf whilst I got ready because what had happened is I'd release all my adrenaline and then when I had to paddle out there, I was flat. So I'm just wondering, did you ever feel that where you may have released your adrenaline a bit early and then it came business time and and you felt flat yeah mate that's when i started losing <laughs> you know because <laughs> you know, i told you about like you know 
at the end of my career, I, I didn't really care anymore. I was just like, um, I wasn't excited. Right? But so excitement and fear, pretty much the same feeling, right? So back earlier when I was a student, I did fear this self-doubt, whatever that feeling was. I used to be pumped up inside and had the second voice telling me this and all that sort of stuff. So once I lost that adrenaline feeling, once I lost that feeling, it was all over, man. I, I just didn't want it anymore. You know, so it's, I suppose it's, you go to anything, you're surfing, you know, and you, and you, you feel flat, or you just maybe you're checking in and you don't want to be out there that day. You know, who knows? But, you know, there's, there's a... There's a lot. There's a lot to it. So we have all these words for it, Mark. Mm. Fear, self-doubt, discipline. Now, discipline's an overused word in, in society, you know. And from all these words, it all comes to one thing, you know. And I, I, I look at this as I look at this a very interesting way. Okay, so people talk to we, we a lot of social media people that really haven't achieved anything in their life. Right? They talk about discipline, blah blah blah, discipline, discipline is not needed in your life if you really want something. So if you really want it, you can just do anything to do it. You know, so this one's not accountable. accountable. You know, and I just think, you know, getting out there, and there's two things we want to do. If you want to go out surfing on that day, you'll go out. If you don't want to do it, you ain't going to do it. Simple as that. And that's it. that's what I learned from my kickboxing. A goal. I had a goal to be a world champion. I wanted, that. I wanted to be a world champion. And I didn't want to go after that. But I was okay with being that. Then I set other goals. So, you know, it's, it's about what you want in your life, mate. You know, it's about how how, how bad you want it, how far you're going to, how much inside your heart you've got to dig deep for that thing. You know, and I think we can keep digging deep in our, in our own minds, in our hearts for things in our life. We're going to keep this thing active and it's going to keep going forward in life. We're going to be chasing something so bad, mate. I'll be chasing that thing that we want so bad every single day and think about it every single day so we can get it, yeah? Yeah, it's so true. So I was just going to ask you, what's the high like when you have those big wins in your in your career of kickboxing? Is that, does that high last for an hour, a day, a week, or, or does it just depend? Like, how, what's it like when you walk out of there in the crowds, you know, cheering and yelling your name, and you're just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Look, you know what? I was just thinking, as you said that, then I just go back to a certain thing, these um, you know, bites I had in, back in the early 90s, particular. And, um, and you know, and, uh, you know, you go into the ring and your people are sh- shouting your name. It's like, you know, it's, it's like surreal. You know, I look back on it now, look back on, on tapes and think, wow, like, you know, it's um, look like, it's I don't even know who that person was back then, but, you know, you think about people screaming your name and people coming there to watch you, paying money to come and watch you. It's just, it's pretty unreal, man. It's pretty amazing. You know, I remember when I did win the world title, it was, that seemed to become more of an anticlimax to me. You know, and um, I thought, well, you know, okay, I won the world title. That's that's sort of it. What happens now? Sort of thing, you know. So it's always a buzz, and people want to be around you, want to see you, want to want to talk to you all the time. But it doesn't last very long, mate. You know, it's um, I think, mean, as I said before, you've achieved that goal. Okay, you've achieved it. It's, it's done. And the next chapter in life, and that's how I feel anyway. Yeah. So you've, I suppose, you just 
when you reach those goals or milestones, you recalibrate and then you need to set a new one. So let's go, let's get uh, deep and dark now because <laughs> this, is, this is where a lot of our clients come from. What happens when you have those losses? Like, you know, when you've done all the work, everything felt good, and then you come up short. Like, what's that like? How does that feel? You know, that's that's a low low. Yeah. Look, I, I when, when it first happens, first if it's a bad loss, like a knockout loss that you've had or something like that, you sort of sit back and think, well, how like, what actually happened? You know, you're trying to blame other people, trying to blame your trainer. What's this wrong with the towel for? What's it that for? And you know, at the end of the day, it was because of yourself. So look, I was sort of person in the game. I still wanted my goal. So I remember my first my first loss. Um, I wanted my goal that bad. I remember going to my trainer's place the next day with a big black eye. And he said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go again. You know, I, I want this. I want it. You know, and I suppose, look, again, if, if I didn't want it, I just would have said, look, I don't want it. But, you know, I think it's got to regroup and see it. Depend, again, game must depend on how bad you want it. If you want it bad enough, you'll climb off the canvas, you'll grab the middle rope, you'll pull yourself and say, okay, let's go. And when you analyse what you did wrong, you know, and you'll try and correct what you did wrong, you can go from there. You know, if you want it, you'll regroup, you'll train harder, you'll do things better, you'll make sure the same mistakes don't happen twice and you just go and get it again. So... Would the recovery, would that have a lot to do with the people around you, like the support you have, that external voices giving you the confidence to to carry on? Yeah, look, well, that was... Or, when or I, is it all you? How, how did that process work? Look, look to tell you the truth, it's, it's quite interesting because in my first knockout loss, the guy I was telling you about before, I had a girlfriend at that time and I was... Believe it or not, I was going running with her. <laughs> you know, I was doing, you know, just running with a girlfriend, like, you know, for a fight, you know, all that sort of stuff. And skipping training, and I really wasn't focused. And um, I remember when he, when he beat me, well, I guess. So I got rid of her and changed some things in my life and, and you know, and, and really dedicated myself to what I had to do. Mentally, I knew I had the skill to do it. I knew I had the toughness to do it. You know, it was just one of those nights where I didn't train properly and it just goes to show if you don't prepare properly for something, no matter what is in your life, whether it's a race, a fight, you know, you've got to prepare yourself. And um, I didn't on that time and, and then uh, I, I didn't reap the benefits. I had a football coach when I was 16 years old. I still communicate with that guy today because yeah. of what he taught me in my life. So it's such an important factor. To have a good coach and good people around you to help you to rebuild yourself and help and help, help you believe in yourself. And because if you lose a little a little bit of a little bit of self-doubt, or you know, you get some self-doubt and you get beat, you know, especially in a in a big fight, you sort of think, wow, like you know, can I still do this? But then you've got the people around you saying, Yeah, you can and and guide you back into a training program or particularly mentally. To help you believe in yourself again, you know. You know, I, I, I trained a couple of a couple of really good ladies at the moment, and I said the one I sent them a message yesterday. They really trained well. I said, "On, you know, how about we do an outdoor session next week, 
e un ragnolino springs from the elbow. Like one of them goes, oh, I don't know, and the other one goes, yeah, I can. It's because out of their comfort zone, yeah? The one that said she can, a real achiever in life, the one that said, oh, I don't know, sort of just mediocre, you know? So it's really important to test ourselves all the time, not just physically but mentally, you know, and that helps us grow as people as well and become happy people, you know? Yeah. I Look, I believe even a bad training session where you are unmotivated and and you may not have thought you did your best, they're the important ones because they're the <laughs> ones where you wouldn't have gone. But you actually went against your own will and trained, maybe not to the peak of your very best, but that's a building block. You've, you've overcome yourself to be a better version of yourself on the day that you really didn't want to do it. And, awesome. and that that says something about your growth. You've grown because you didn't want to go. You wanted to make an excuse. You went in there. You didn't train to your best, but you felt good afterwards. I say to people, if your life is like this and like that with all these negative things happening, this may sound strange, but you need to become a different person. You need to have, you need to change the way you think, the way you feel and the way you act because that will change your personality. And when you change your personality, that's going to change your personal reality. And when you change your personal reality, that changes your destiny. You're going to be what you want to be as soon as you can get yourself there. And the best way to do that is to find people who've been there and done it because they'll give you the shortcuts. That's why why people will say to you, right, they come up with all sorts of excuses and go, look, I can go on eBay or whatever and buy myself one of those home gym things for $1.99 and they get their Allen keys and put it all together and put it out on their back deck, right? And then you come and see them after a year and it's got dust all over it. And, you know, <laughs> there's clothes drying on it. You know, they're using it for a clothes dryer now and, <laughs> and, and it just never gets used. It's all rusty. You see, getting those things and buying those things, that's just, that's an illusion. It's a dream. What you need to do is to go and find someone who can take you there to where you want to be as quick as possible. If someone who knows nothing about training buys one of those gym things, they'll go out there, they'll give it their all for a week or two, they'll probably pull a muscle, hurt themselves, or see no improvement and say, oh, it doesn't work for me. But if they come and see you and you go, listen, I've got you, I've done this hundreds of times, just follow me along for three months, we're going to get there. And they'll get there because they've got you guiding them along the way, showing them the shortcuts. True, but, you know, the, the, big, the greatest thing that we have, the greatest thing that we have is our body is an organism. We can rebuild it. We can reap the benefits by its adaptation. So if we start training, we stop cigarette smoking, we stop stop everything else we're doing, we start doing stuff, it's going to adapt to a fitness regimen. You know, it's, it's interesting. It'll take a while, as you said. Someone's been smoking for 40 years, things like that. But, you know, it, 
we we can rebuild ourselves yeah that's 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 the one lucky thing we have got our body does regenerate itself and our cells rebuild all the time but we need to stop poisoning it it's a, you know sometimes i look at i look at us as people and think to myself life like you know it's like where where does it really end you know like you look at look at today and people fitter at their 80s and 90s and stuff like that people are living longer because of fitness these days and who knows how long we can live in the near future we want to live a long time but we want to live a quality life too that's that's yeah. the thing like do you want to be sitting in a wheelchair dribbling and or do you want to be able to do whatever you want to do even though you are 70 or 80 still out doing runs you're still yeah. out walking the dog you're still out swimming doing all those things and now that's a reality for anybody. Remember when we used to think 50 was old? <laughs> what about I used to, yeah, about I used to think say, football as much hit 30 was all over? Yeah. Now I can look at these, some of these guys that play later in their careers now. Some boxers that box to nearly 40, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's all changed. Yeah. yeah. Look at Mayweather. He's not stopping. <laughs> He's like fight some YouTube guy and goes twenty million, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it's good. Well, mate, that was a good session. Yeah, great. Yeah, thanks, thanks, man. Thanks for uh, doing that interview. I enjoyed that. <laughs>